Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Amen. Now, just in case, they they told us in Bible school, never wear anything when you preach that could be a distraction. But um, I I wanted to wear this sweatshirt today because it's brand new. And some of you from a distance might say, why is he wearing a shirt with a skull on? Is it a gang thing? Yes, it's a gang symbol. Um, I belong to a gang for whom death has no sting and the grave has no victory. Uh, So that's my gang. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 goes on to say, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Thank God. So it's great to, uh, I've loved doing this, er- this series this January, which we are calling I Choose. So two weeks ago, I talked about I choose to be a victor and not a victim. Last week, we talked about I choose to forgive, And this week, we come on to another topic, which is I choose happiness. You see, I am totally convinced that we live life one of two ways. We either live life being just carried along by our circumstances or what happens, or we make the choices about how we are going to live life. I choose. Somebody said to me once, are you always this happy? And I said, always. And then I remembered my wife might be hearing this conversation, and she knows I'm not always this happy. But in general, yeah, I am. I've got a pretty positive approach to life and a pretty positive approach to most of life's challenges as well. And I thank God for that. Some of us are wired more towards happiness than other people are. But the truth is, it's a choice that we all make. One of the best books I I read last year was a book called The Happiness Advantage by a a guy called Sean Aker. And in that book, he talks about when he was invited to speak at the Wellness Week for one of the most elite New England boarding schools. And when they sent him the information, they gave him the rundown for Wellness Week. The topic for Monday was eating disorders. The topic for Tuesday was depression. Topic for Wednesday was drugs and violence. The topic for Thursday was risky sex. And he says, Friday, who knew what it was? That certainly wasn't a wellness week. It was a sickness week. And the fact is, you know what? It's so easy for us to focus on negatives. Apparently, there is a real thing in medical schools, which is called medical school syndrome. And it's this, that when people go into medical school right off, they're hearing about all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and issues that a lot of them had never heard about before. And within the first semester, most of the students have felt they were suffering from every conceivable disease under the sun. Because they're focused on the negative. You know, the, the, the general mindset for people is that if I could do that, it would really make me happy. If I could get there, 
That's what would really make me happy. But recent research in psychology and neuroscience shows it's the other way around. We become successful when we are happier and positive. We don't need to wait till the good success happens and then we'll be happy. Jesus said this in John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 11. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be, notice the last word, complete. Jesus said, what I've been sharing with you, here's the point. I want my joy to be in you and I want your joy to be complete. For so many of us here today as followers of Jesus, we, we need to really recognize and look for what Jesus promised to us. That if we grab a hold of what he says, the end result should be our joy is complete. Now, I know sometimes there's kind of the, you know, the ultra critic who says, well, you started talking about happiness, you're talking about joy. They're two different things. As I, do we really have to go there? Because uh, I'm not. And, and I've heard people who say, well, you know, you know just because I'm not happy all the time, I've got joy, it's just deep down inside. <laughs> Trouble is, so deep down inside, at my age, I might not live long enough to ever see it come to the surface, you know. Jesus wants us, you know, part of our relationship with Jesus should make our life a totally different kind of life. In John 18, Jesus says this, Actually, it's in John 16, but um, there's some good stuff in John 18 too. In John chapter 16 and verse 22, Jesus says this. He says, now, this is just before his crucifixion. He said, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus says, I, you know, it's going to be, what was coming was going to be sad, but he said, I'm, coming, I'm going to come and see you again. He would rise from the dead. And he said then, in light of his resurrection, he said, you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That's the place where God wants us to be. That's the place where God wants us to be living. And that's the place we can be living. But so much of that depends on the choices that we make. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never be sad or you'll never shed a tear. It doesn't mean to say that life won't have its dark moments, because it will. But it means that we have the tools with God's help so that those things don't pull us down. And as the Bible says, weeping may well last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Choose happiness. So let's have a look at some of the things the Bible says about happiness. Number one, happiness is knowing God. Folks, here's the bottom line. The greatest source of happiness is relationship with God and is knowing God. Psalm 144 and verse 15 says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. My focus in life, the most important thing in life, the center of my life, my God and when our God is the Lord, you know what? That's going to make us happy. 
We're in a great position this morning. There are millions of people in this nation and, uh, and countless people all across this world who are struggling to find happiness somewhere else because the most important thing in their lives is something different. And they're motivated by career. They're motivated by success. Or, or, or for them, their God is what they've achieved. Their God is their home. Their God is their car. Their God is their sports team or whatever it might be. But the Bible says this. Here's where happiness lies. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Now, if, if recognizing God as Lord in your life has not made the slightest difference in your life and made you a happier person, then I just want you to tell me this right now. Okay, we good? Okay, I ain't got more time to wait because nobody's going to stand up anyway, right? Because, because the truth is this, the Bible's, the Bible's right here, yeah? We've lived it, we've experienced it, we enjoy it. When Jesus sent out some of his disciples to go and teach and preach and do other things, they, they came back to him at one point and basically said, Lord, this is fantastic. He said, there are even people who are, who are troubled by demonic things, and when we talk to the devils, the devils obey us. He said, this is terrific. And here's what Jesus told them in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. He said to them, listen, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here's what to be happy about. Your name is written in heaven. Here's something to celebrate this morning. My name is written in heaven. Here is something that is deeper. Here is something that is more special than any other thing in our lives right now. And whatever storms there might be swirling around you right now, I just want to remind you, here's something we rejoice in. My name is written in heaven. My name is written in heaven. And nothing changes that fact. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul speaks about some of his friends and he says, they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. You might have thought you just slipped into Genesis Church, gave your life to Jesus and oh, this is pretty cool. No, you know what happens when you give your life to Jesus? Your name is written in heaven. Wow. They know who you are up there. In fact, they're holding your reservation. Your name is written in heaven. Revelation 21, 27 describes heaven, and it says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Celebrate, be happy, rejoice in the fact your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know what? Whoever we might be down here, it's nothing to who we are up there. And whoever might recognize or not recognize us, whoever might respect us or not respect us down here, the truth is this, there's something far bigger than all of that, and that is this, that God knows who we are, God owns us as belonging to Him. In fact, I'm going to detract here, I'll never get through all this stuff today, but here we go. There's a great statement in the book of Isaiah where God's people are saying, we think you've forgotten us. And God says, if a mother could forsake the child she's feeding, it would rarely happen, but she may. 
But God says, but I won't forget you. Here's what he says. He says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. So I see some interesting tattoos around here. God's got your name tattooed on the palm of his hands. And you may say, well, that's ridiculous. How can he fit it? How big are God's hands? Our names are written in heaven. The greatest source of joy is knowing the Lord is our God. I belong to Him. He is mine. I am His. I rejoice in that. There was a time recorded in the book of Acts where, where Philip went and he, he started preaching in, in, a, in a town in the area called Samaria. And when he went down to Samaria, they were hearing the gospel for the very first time. And there was an incredible response. And, and, and so many people from that city came to put their faith in Jesus. And here's what it says in Acts 8 and verse 8. The outcome was there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy in that city? Because happy are those people whose God is the Lord. Choose happiness. Remind yourself of whose you are over and over and over and over again. Remind yourself of who you belong to. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Happiness starts with knowing God. Secondly, happiness is found in living for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. Choose happiness. What makes us happy? Living for a purpose bigger than us. I was reading a, a, a quote from a book called, well, it was a, uh, whatever it was. Here's a long title. Flourish, a visionary new understanding of happiness and well-being. And it was written by a University of Pennsylvania professor by the name of Martin Seligman, okay? I just read these three lines, actually. I didn't read the whole paper. He, he said, we scientists have found that doing a kindness produces the single most reliable... Let me start that again. We scientists have found that doing a kindness produces the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being of any exercise we have tested. All right? So, I guess in simple English, what's the best way for people to find happiness? Doing some kindness. Kindness brings about the very best results. Happiness is living for a purpose bigger than yourself. You find somebody who's all locked in to themselves, their well-being, and even their problems and their troubles, and you're going to find somebody who's pretty unhappy. In fact, one of the recommendations for the Mayo, from the Mayo Clinic a number of years ago for treating depression was that they told patients they needed to go out and find somebody worse off than themselves and find some way to help them. Happiness is living for a purpose bigger than yourselves. Mark chapter 8, 35, Jesus spelled this out. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. If life's about you, you'll lose it. No, he didn't say, let's not say God's going to kill you. It's just going to mean you're not really going to live life. 
But if you want to find life, you find, you find your life when you give your life away. So I was, I was talking to Gene Holland this morning. He looks after our Saturday afternoon mobile soup kitchen, helps people in need and the homeless and takes them dinners. And they go out every Saturday, which means yesterday. Now, if you remember, they go out around 3 o'clock. If you think back to 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, it was rough, wasn't it? So they canceled. And that's understandable. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, they didn't. They're, they're, they're better than the postal service, man. Neither snow nor whatever nor whatever. No, they were, they were out there yesterday afternoon. And Gene said to me, Gene said to me, there were actually 18 of us on our team yesterday. That, that is, isn't that fantastic? Now, why would you go? I mean, I was out at a function yesterday. I was actually at a baby shower, which was very interesting. Because uh, usually you ladies do those solo, but this was different. No, it was, it was great. But I, I was there, but I couldn't wait to get home. You know, I wanted to get home, and I wanted to get out of the snow, and I wanted to get into the house and leave it alone. But these folks were out there. So why'd they do that? I'll tell you why they do that. Because you find the greatest happiness in serving other people. Uh, you might recall that our, 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 our mobile kitchen team actually went out on Christmas Eve, and they went to their regular stops and took a terrific beef dinner um, to, to, to the folks that we serve out there. And uh, I, I heard the story that amongst the things they were able to take out, there were a couple of bunches of flowers that were in the donation we'd got from Trader Joe's. And they'd taken these flowers with them. And there was a man there who'd come to get a meal and some other things. And, and, and some of the ladies said to him, uh, we've, we've actually got a couple of bunches of flowers. Is there any way, you know, would, would, would any of that be any use to you? And here's what he said. He said, tomorrow, I'm going to visit my mother and my sister Christmas Day in the cemetery. And I've got nothing to take them. And they had two bunches of flowers, one for his mother's grave and one for his sister's grave. And one of the ladies said to me, that made my Christmas. You know why? Happiness comes from living for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. That's where real joy is found. Choose happiness. You know what that means? Choose to serve others. Choose to be a blessing to others. Find a way to impact other people. Happiness is starting each day with a goal of, Lord, I'd just like to be a blessing in some small way to one person today. And to be intentionally looking for the opportunities because we, we so often just rush through life and rush past people. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 21 says this. He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. I'm not just talking about there, about in the context of whether it's our soup kitchen or some other way, we help those who are struggling financially. You, you know what? You could have a humongous bank account and still be poor, right? And I've met some of those people in my life, and you have too. 
Poor doesn't mean that they don't have money. Sometimes poor means they don't have hope. Sometimes poor means folks don't have, have health. There are so many different interpretations, but here's what the Bible says. Happy is he who is gracious to the poor. If we ignore people, despise our neighbor in their moment of need. You know what? We sin, the Bible says. But happiness comes from being gracious to those that are in need. Because the thing is this, you can never bless other people without being blessed yourself. Now, you're all looking as if that was the biggest revelation you ever heard, and I expected you to say amen, so we'll try it again, okay? <laughs> you can never bless other people without being blessed yourself. Amen. Good. You get, I hope you aren't just following the script, but you, you, we know that, don't we? Don't we know that? Haven't we lived it? Haven't we proved it? In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 29, Jesus said, Anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me, will get it all back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. He said, whatever you, whatever you give in my name and for my cause, he said, you're going to get it back a hundred times. Now, over the course of years, and you still hear them, they're, they're dotted around here and there. You'll hear preachers who totally misconstrue this text and turn it around and say, if you want to be really blessed, you've got to give, and uh, giving to my ministry is the best way to be blessed. It's not what Jesus is saying. You don't give with the idea of being blessed. You don't give because you're going to get back a hundredfold. You give because in your heart there is a passion to just love other people and to serve other people and to lift up other people. But the truth is this. When you help somebody and give something to somebody else, and it doesn't have to be substance, it doesn't have to be money. If you give somebody sometimes just five minutes of your day, the Bible says this. When you bless other people, you are going to get back a hundred times over. And, and people say, you know, I've heard people say, you know, because, you know, God sees what you do and you're setting up a reward in heaven. Now, it talks about that in other parts of the Bible, but Jesus didn't say that here. He said, you'll get a hundred times more, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. He talks about eternal life and the hundred times more separately and the hundred times more. In fact, in some translations, it says, in this life, a hundred times more. We are going to be happy in this life when we extend ourselves to other people. And there is the considerable bonus of eternal life. Not that we earn it by the good deeds we do, but we earn it because the good deeds we do are motivated by our commitment to Jesus. In fact, in, in Luke 6, 38, Jesus pursues this. He says, give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I, I just like this. It's, it's from a kind of an old you know, Eastern market kind of picture when you take your bag to get your grain or whatever it was, and you go to the store and you, you pay for a bag of grain. And you know what? If you pay for a bag of grain, you want a bag of grain, right? It's kind of, if we ever poured my mother a cup of tea as, as kids, we learned. We'd go sometimes make tea for her, pour her a cup. And if the cup was three, if we poured it three quarters full, we'd take her her tea. She'd look at it and say, oh, I see the tide's gone out. <laughs> There was a subtle message there, like, fill the darn cup. <laughs> Tides out. 
Jesus said, so you take your bag to the marketplace, right? So you take your bag there and you want a bag and the guy's going to put the grain in. And, and Jesus said, when you give, here's how it's going to be given back to you. He said, you're going to have a full measure. And, and, and that, man, can, we, can we just get that verse back up again, Cheryl? The, the full measure, it will be pressed down. So he pours the grain in, but then you push it down, right? Because I want my bag full here. And then he puts in some more, and then you shake the bag a bit to make it go down. And then he pours in more. And once it's starting, it overflows. Say, good, that's my bag full. And Jesus said this, if you give, that's how you are going to be blessed. That's how it's going to be with you. Happiness is living for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. How do you choose happiness? You get out of inward living. And you start living for others. And you find it. Choose happiness. So happiness is knowing God. Happiness is living for a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. And then here's, here's an interesting one. Happiness is cultivated, not given. Happiness is cultivated, not given. We've really got to get away from this would make me really happy. That would make me really happy. It's you who are going to make you really happy. It's the way you choose to live. It's the way you choose to act. It's the way you choose to interact. If I could just get that new car, I'd be really happy. You would for a few months. Then the new car smell wears off, and then you've got to get the freshener that smells of new car to pretend it's still a new car. And then you, then you go and get in your car at Stop and Shop and realize some idiot dinged your door, right? And it's like, oh, man, I need a new car. You won't find happiness in stuff. Happiness is cultivated, not given. So like I was saying, some of us are more predisposed to happiness. It's, it's genetics than other people are. But the fact is, we all have the choice of how we're going to face life. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we looked at this the other week, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many of you were here that week, right? So transformation comes by our mind being renewed. Not from something external, but from something here. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, the way we are thinking and our mindset is something that we can work together with God, and, and, and God can help us. So, actually, we can cultivate an approach to life that experiences the happiness that Jesus said should be ours. And part of that comes from, starts here, Philippians 4 and verse 8. Philippians 4, 8, summing it up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. If we focus on things that are good and beautiful and positive and uplifting, guess what? That's going to affect the state of our minds and our approach to life, isn't it? 
If we approach on, if we focus on things that, that, that are ugly, and if we focus on things that are not good, then the fact is that that's going to pull us down. The environment around us and the things that we think about are important. That's why we need to train ourselves to be positive and to be thankful. Train ourselves to feed the positive. Researchers found out that people that listen to three minutes of negative news at the beginning of the day, and actually, you know, you have little choice. News is negative probably, period, right? People that listen to three minutes of negative news at the start of the day are far less, are far more likely at the end of the day to, to report back that they had a negative day. Amen. That impacts them. Because if you start focused on the negative, that's your mindset going into everything else. And it's easy to get caught up in the negative. That's why we need to focus on the positive, like Psalm 103, verse 3. Here's a great way to start the day. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfy your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, I'm not suggesting we put our head in the sand and we ignore all, all, the, all the awful things that are happening in the world, but the truth is with 24-7 saturation from every kind of media nowadays, that can be all that we're hearing and all that's being poured into us. And I got to tell you, it's helped me a lot since I stopped listening to so much news radio in my car. It really has. It's done me the world of good. I listen to music, Christian music, old Christian music. It's wonderful. Everybody should listen to it. Well, maybe not, but it takes me back. Focus on the positive. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. You know what that means? You can't forget them. So we got to remind ourselves over and over again of the positives and the blessings. That's why I read the Bible regularly. That's why I love to do that. It's not a case of, well, I've got to be a better Christian. I've got to know more Bible. It's I've got to be reminded over and over again what weighs up. So I read the Bible on a regular basis. Some of the last things I do at night is I read the Bible because it focuses my life back in towards the end of the day on God. And I think about three things during the day that made me happy. Just to make sure I'm ending the day real positive. Because I'm going to tell you this, in the most miserable of days, there were still three things that did you good. I train myself to be positive. You know, another thing you've got to do as well when to cultivate happiness is hang out with positive people. Ditch the life suckers. Okay? That, for those of us, those who look after our social media, that is the quote for social media from today, okay? Ditch the life suckers. We don't need them. We don't need them. And the fact is, they don't really need you, so you don't think, well, they need my help. No, they're sucking your blood. What we need around us is people who, who bring positive things to our life. They're people who, who, who speak truth into our lives, that there are people who, who, who sow hope into our, our lives. Psalm 1 and verse 1 says this, blessed is the one, and that word blessed could be translated happy. 
Happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Ditch them. Or stand in the way. Hang out with sinners. Ditch them. Or sit in the company of mockers. Ditch them. Be selective about who you spend your time with and hang out with. I was reading in the book I mentioned at the start that they did research and found that students who were told to think about the happiest day of their lives right before a standardized math test outperformed their peers. They went in positive. Listen, hold on to meaningful relationships. You know what that means? It means work on them. Make time for meaningful relationships and get rid of the ones you don't need. So the way we're thinking, we need to focus on what's positive. The people we hang out with. You can create positive environments too. I, I, you know, I, I love the fact, um, I love just the atmosphere here at Genesis. I really do. I, I say this over and over again. I love Sunday mornings, like particularly just before we start, and I look around, and there's buzzes of conversation, and life's happening, and people are interacting, and it's, it's like it's so good, and it's so real. And I like to feel it's relaxed and open and like family. And um, that's how we are staff-wise as our staff team, too. We have a lot of fun in our offices. We enjoy life together. We enjoy working together. Sir Richard Branson said this when he talked about his virgin company. He said, more than any other element, fun is the secret of virgin success. Fun is the secret. I've met some people who seem to think like the the best place on it, if I could just work for the church. It's like there is this hallowed heavenly setting, right, where nothing ever disturbs. If I could only work in that. And some people have, have, have gone into situations that they found out later are, are ego-driven hell and not heaven. But I love the environment that we get to work in. I love the environment that we get to worship in. Choose happiness in your environments. We've got three offices over this side of the building, right? So there's one that Domingo and Steve share. Our, our youth director and our worship director. There is another office that Charlotte, our associate pastor, shares with Laura, who does a lot of our admin, and, and, and with our children's director, Faith. And then in between them, I get my own space. So that's my office. And for a number of years after we moved in here, on, on, on my wall, right opposite my desk, that I was looking at all the time, I had this huge picture of Shea Stadium gigantic thing, most of the wall. It was Shea Stadium. And I decided last year I was going to take that down and change it up for a number of reasons. You don't need to be looking at something that breaks your heart all the time. <laughs> right? That's not a positive environment. If as a Mets fan, I'm looking at a picture of Shea Stadium. And so I changed it up. So I got some little shelves, and on the shelves, I put little bits and pieces that are positive. Like there's a little saying that says, enjoy life, you'll be dead a long time. I like that one. 
That's, that, that's, I've got a photograph of doing some baptisms in the sea in Scotland. and uh, the, the shore was crowded. The press estimated 3,000 people watching. It was unbelievable. I've got a photograph of that. I've got some framed collector's cards of the Beatles. And uh, I like that. It reminds me of my teenage years. And for most of us, our teenage years were messed up on one side, but great on the other, right? So that reminds me of that. I've got a mug somebody gave me with a pair of Converse on it. I like that because it reminds me of the identity somehow or other I got left with and created. But it reminds me that church is fun too. And I've got things there that are positive. And then around me, I've got photos of family and stuff. And you know, our environments need to be set up so that they speak happiness to us. Wherever we spend our time, wherever we are. So my wall now speaks happy memories, positive things. And in case anybody wants to come into my office and breed negativity, I've got a great sign I was given for Christmas on the corner of my desk. You see, as soon as you come in the door, I turned it to face them, not me. It says, the best is yet to come. Uh, Because if they came in to tell me otherwise, I want them to know that straight away when they walk in the door, right? There's so much we can do to choose happiness. Happiness is knowing God. Happiness is living for a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. But then happiness is something we cultivate. It's not going to drop into our lap, and it won't come when I've got X, Y, or Z. But let's go right back to where I started. Psalm 144 and verse 15. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I am blessed to say today, God is my Lord. And you know, it's not really because I found him, it's because he found me. And you may be here today and you know there's something big missing in your life. And you've been thinking, if I could just get this, if I could just do that, if I could just find a good partner, if I could just find a better job, if I could just get a decent vehicle, If I could just get that promotion, they won't give you happiness. Happiness comes from God being your Lord. And if you're here today and you've never yet really committed your life to Him, said, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life and give my life to you. Here's what the Bible says. It says, our sins made a gulf between us and God. And the outcome of that sin is eternal death. But the Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins. And that believing that and trusting Him, we are forgiven and we receive eternal life. We make Him the Lord of our lives. And if you're here today and you don't know God as your Lord, we're going to pray right now. And I'm going to invite you to make that big step here this Sunday morning. This is what's going to change your life. Nothing else can. Let's pray.